Well, you think having a 37 year old? We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now, we're preparing for Cincinnati. Okay, is the, is the, do you feel like the talent you have here is good? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. Well, I mean, I, I'm just asking, do you think you've done enough to help Tom Brady? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. We are on to Cincinnati. How about that? Are we geared up and ready for this thing or what? I mean, I, I think so. Uh, I uh, I even watched the last week's game, the intense rivalry between Miami of Ohio and Cincinnati again earlier today. And okay. Some hot takes about both teams. I did not know. I did not realize even last Saturday that Miami of Ohio's quarterback is the little brother of Blaine Gabbert's. <laughs> I, I I did not know that. He actually he played pretty well in that game. I didn't know it either, but whenever I I heard that his name was Gabbert, I just kind of made the connection because there can't be a whole lot of Gabberts out there, you know, playing uh playing quarterback. So yeah, it was uh it's pretty interesting though. What'd you think of the game? Because do you want? I, do you want my eval- Really weird. Do you want my quick evaluation of Cincinnati as Mike Gundy would do it? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, eight. He's a good receiver. Nice player. Uh, <laughs> five. He's got some wiggle at quarterback. Uh, 58's all about nil, but he's still a good athlete. That's that's my evaluation <laughs> of things. Oh yeah, that that's. Uh... Well, I guess you could have said, well, Miami of Ohio doesn't have to worry about NIL. <laughs> Those players are there just to play They got nice facilities up there. must be nice to coach up there. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I, there, there was actually a lot of takeaways from that. Emory Jones did did not play well. A um, couple of critical interceptions. Completion percentage was not great. Didn't see him run around a ton. I, I'd like one, like if I have some concerns for OU this week, it is Emory Jones, like, getting loose, maybe, you know, not keeping your rushing lanes tight, and he steps up in the pocket and gets a lot of big gains. That's actually kind of what I saw from Blaine Gabbert's little bro last week. Mm-hmm. He led Miami of Ohio in rushing yards last week, I think with 75, but there were a ton of plays, man. Like, some were designed quarterback runs, not a ton, but it looked like a lot of times where he just stepped up in the pocket and there was a lot of room to run, so... Kind of wondering if Dylan Gabriel's going to be able to take advantage of that on uh, Saturday morning. Yeah, I. That's a very interesting point because I think one of the things that Cincinnati did against Pitt and has really done all year is they will trust their guys on the back end in one on one and they'll put pressure on the quarterback. Um, if you can cover and you can get to the quarterback, that is an excellent game plan. If either one of those things falls apart, it's a horrible game yeah. plan. If you can't yes. cover, you're going to get burned. If you can't get to the quarterback, you're going to get burned. And, you know, the first play of the game was an 80-yard bomb uh, from Miami of Ohio, just right out of the gate. Good pressure on the quarterback, beautiful throw and catch, just separated from the receiver, and the receiver was just a little bit faster than the defensive back. Touchdown. So they've got to change that up. Um, now, I think they're going to be calculating. I think they're going to take some risks, and they're going to put the pressure on, on Dylan Gabriel. But, uh, yeah, I think especially with, our, with the emergence of, of Nick Anderson in one-on-one and Andrew Anthony, and 
if if we can protect long enough to give those guys just a brief moment, then we should be able to hit them over the top if they're going to be I, that aggressive. I, I, I definitely came away from that game saying, yeah, we're going to see a game plan that's I, – I, I don't think it's going to be the same game plan in terms of plays called like it was last week against Tulsa where it felt like every single ball was a deep ball. But I think this Saturday from seeing how Miami of Ohio was able to do some stuff down the field – I, I would guess the play calling is a little bit closer to what we saw against Tulsa, probably a lot closer than what we saw against Tulsa than what we did against SMU. O- OU's, yeah. OU's going to the deep ball this Saturday, man. I, I, I think we know now like that might be the strength of this offense at this point is throwing the deep ball. They've been really good at it up to this point. Um, yeah. And a Cincinnati defense that's given up some big plays, like that's – again, I don't think they'll throw as many as they did against Tulsa, but they're, they're going to throw a lot. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think that that is, if they, especially if they get those looks, which I don't expect Cincinnati to come out and just go zero and cover one nonstop against us. That's, I think it's going to switch up according to some of the personnel that's out there on the field. Now, if they've got our typical starters, Andrew Anthony, Drake Stoops, and Jalil Farouk, yeah, I think they're going to, they're going to, you know, stay, probably cover one, bring pressure, try and stack the box, keep us from running the ball, put pressure on Dylan Gabriel. If four all of a sudden steps in the game and you've got Andrew Anthony and Nick Anderson out there, well, that drastically changes things because you can't just – you can't cover both of those guys without a safety over the top. You, you've got to sit back with two high safeties, and, and that's whenever I think we'll get to our run game and see if we can have some success. So, I don't know. It's – it's going to be fascinating to see see how they they play us defensively. They uh, they have some really good individual players. Dante Corleone, the first yeah. one you think about. I'll tell you who else I really like for them offensively. Xavier Henderson, the wide receiver. I think he had yeah. like 12 catches yeah. for 140. I know it was against Miami of Ohio, but I think Xavier Henderson, he wears number eight. I think he's the best wide receiver OU will have faced up to this point. So whatever played a lot of football, he's yeah. Whatever quarter that is, that's that's going to be a nice test. I mean, they're they're okay at wide receiver outside of him, but he's 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 a legit player. Yep, Florida transfer. um, I think he's like tied for the lead in the Big Twelve for receiving at the moment. Um, But yeah, they've they've. They've done well in the in the transfer portal themselves. They've got some guys out there that are contributing. It's the best group of skill guys as a complete group that we've seen so far. Um, at back, at, at wide receiver, they'll play with the true fullback. I really like their running game. They've got more of, uh, of an NFL-style running game, not the typical stuff that we see week in, week out with the inside zone and split zone, and that's really all people do. They, they do uh, outside zone. They'll run speed option. They'll run some triple option stuff with, with Emory Jones. You'll see quite a bit of a variety. They love to, to boot with all the zone that they run. So it's a good offense. Sean on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, after a year and three games, can you honestly predict what Jeff Levy is going to do? It seems it's game to game, perhaps not decided until Saturday mornings. It has been unpredictable yeah, at times, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think it's going to be deep balls. It, it better be deep balls. I think most of it, 
you know, most of this offense is just is built on matchups and built on just counting numbers in the box. If they get up there and a team is crowded the box with personnel, they're going to throw it. If they get up there and they're lighting the box and there's two high safeties over the top, they're going to run it. And a lot of that stuff is just, it's built into the play call. So you get out there and all of a sudden we throw the ball three times in a row. It's not necessarily that he called three passing plays in a row. He could have called three running plays in a row. But the number count dictated that Dylan Gabriel pull it and throw the bubble on the outside. It's just kind of how these things are built these days. Sooner Studi says OU's D will most likely have to make some adjustments to Emory Jones like they did against Cardell last yeah. Saturday. We should get at least two picks. They'll be fine. I actually believe SMU is better than Cincinnati. Very, very strong disagreement on SMU being better than Cincinnati. But um, I, I do think that the text is correct. We're going to have to change some things against Emory Jones. We cannot rush past the quarterback. We did that a couple of times against Tulsa, and the Williams kids stepped up, found some clean space, and made some easy throws that hit us on big plays. If we do that, Emory Jones will pick us apart. The way you make him throw interceptions, you want Emory Jones to try and beat you from the pocket. He can't beat us from the pocket. He can beat us by us getting too aggressive, getting out of our rush lanes, and him being able to step up and either go get pick up first downs with his legs or buy time and hit receivers down the field. That's that's if if we go up there to Cincinnati and get beat, we will be able to blame it on Emory Jones getting outside of the pocket. That, I mean that'll be well without a doubt that and maybe that and maybe not being able to run the ball and uh, take some pressure off the yeah. passing game. Which I I had this written down today. Absolute best case scenario. Well, absolute best-case scenario is you name the score offensively and they don't score at all on, uh, on Saturday. But like yeah. a, a, a particular position group plays really well and you win. I think the absolute best-case scenario, given their talent on the defensive line, is that you find your run game and you find maybe your one yeah. and two at running back. Like that, That's what it is to me, man. You go up there and win, but... You, you, you find out your best five on the offensive line, and you, you finally find your running game for this year. See if you follow me on the logic on this. I, I think it's going to be the most difficult game we've had so far by a really long shot in running the ball. But I think this is the most likely scenario so far for us to break some – explosive runs in the running game just because they are they are so aggressive in their front seven that if we're able to get one guy out gapped or make one guy miss there's not going to be anyone left on the back end that's how aggressive they play the run so like we're either going to get crushed at the line of scrimmage or behind it a bunch uh, and i think that that's still going to happen but the chance of breaking one and finding that crease and turning it into an explosive 40 or 50 yarder, I think is, is there a bunch. And I think Dylan Gabriel quarterback run game is going to be a heavy factor. Hey, there's a hot take for Saturday. If uh, anyone would like to dip their toe into it, I might by tomorrow that Dylan Gabriel actually has more rushing yards than Emory Jones. How hot is that? You like that? That's That's a hot take. 
It's hot. Scorching, not quite. I mean, in my bold prediction on Monday, I think I told you this, I picked Dylan Gabriel to be the leading rusher for the Sooners. So, I think you did tell me yeah. that, yeah. Um, and here, I, he, he could break, a, break off a long run like he did against Nebraska and really pad the – I'm not predicting that to happen, but a, a long 35, 40-yard run if it's that wide open like you're talking about at times would go a long way yeah. in him uh, being the, the number one rusher on the team. So, yeah, no, this is kind right. of this is like the Kool Aid check game is is how I look at it because a lot of people are are drinking the Kool Aid, really optimistic about the start so far this year. Which I, I'm in there. I'm I'm very optimistic about a lot of things I've seen. And if you win this game, you go into a very winnable game against Iowa State, still feeling really good. But if you lose this game, it almost feels like you're almost back to where you you know began or, like, earlier this summer not really knowing what to expect. Yeah, if we lose this game, well, I, mentally, it's going to be an absolutely crushing loss, right? Uh, and it's go, like, Yeah, it will be. M- mentally and, like, um, how would you say, like, narrative, nationally, it's going to be really difficult to recover from. After going six and seven, if our first conference game is against Cincinnati, who I think is a really good team, but isn't going to get any respect nationally, it's like, oh, they're just now a power five team. Uh, it's going to be really difficult to be able to bounce back from that. Well, it, it will be. Yeah, nationally. and then look at the spot that you're in all of a sudden after this fun three and zero start, where you know things have mostly been really good. It's, okay, well, now you're 0-1 in conference, and then you play a top-five team in Texas in two weeks. And if you don't win that yeah. game, then you're 1-2 and two and, you know, really up against it just to make the conference championship game. So I don't think that this is, by any means, the toughest game of the year. And I am absolutely one that thinks that you should go up and beat a team like Cincinnati, but... Dude, yeah, this is a this is a really really important game, narrative wise, just kind of to mentally for for a lot of reasons. It's a it's a big deal to go up there and play well on Saturday, just with the yeah. way the schedule lays out. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I feel like uh, defensively, defensively, we're in a place where we haven't been in a, in a while. That I feel confident that even if offensively we really struggle and things aren't going well and it takes us maybe a really long time to find find our stride and find where we're going to be able to attack them, I, I feel like we're good enough defensively to keep us in the game and even win the game and not play well on the offensive side, which we haven't been in a position like that in a long time. Yeah. By the way, I appreciate all the text coming in during the middle of the segment. Hey, just to let you know, Diggs tore his ACL in practice today for the Cowboys. <sighs> yes, thank you guys. Doing an MRI. Now, to what happened? It. Uh, Diggs, maybe the best corner in the league, tore his ACL at practice today. Cowboys defense took a oh hit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That ain't good. No, not good. Well. Hmm, that's a downer. Well, yeah, we got to hit a break on that um, note because it is a downer. I mean, they're still going to win <laughs> the NFC, but it is a downer. I mean, come on. Right, right. Well, yeah, that's uh, that stinks. Okay, 
let me tell you what's going on. I'm at the 405 Burger Bar, which is an awesome place. We're right here on Main. Uh, they're going to have Thursday night football specials going on every Thursday. Half off domestic drafts, Bud Light, Coors Light, and Michelob Ultra. Dollar sliders, uh, meat and cheese only. Um, all kinds of game day specials as well for all the OU football games. And I'll be letting you know. Fence, 405-735-1167 or vhfence.com. It is the rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Knippelmeyer, Chevrolet, text line 405-651-3439. OU at Cincinnati, 11 a.m. on Fox. OU still listed as a 14.5-point favorite over the Bearcats. Here is your weather forecast for Saturday. Oh, buddy, you're going to like this one. The weather forecast says pleasant with plenty of sunshine, a perfect afternoon for football, high of 79 degrees. Wow. Yeah. I do like that. That is excellent. Very detailed um, uh, game day forecast there, by the way. Pleasant with plenty of sunshine, a perfect afternoon for football, high of 79. That is detailed. That is detailed. Well, um, I guess uh, eliminate weather as a factor in the game. Uh, we just got to go up there and do our thing then. No complaints, no excuses. No compl- well, hopefully there's no complaints uh, during the postgame show on Saturday. Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Um, well, we always have something to complain about, Well, no, no matter what. The past couple of weeks, it's been the uh, quarterback power package with JFA. So, like, it, it, it hasn't looked great the past two weeks, but he's looked fantastic when he's just ran the offense. Yeah. He's not redshirting this year, so they won't hesitate to play him if they – go into the game with that idea. So what, what, do we, what do we expect this weekend from him? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I, would, I wouldn't expect a whole lot um, unless, I, unless it's a, a really tight game. I, I continue to believe, and I could be totally wrong on this, but I continue to believe that the, the package that we've seen Jackson Arnold in is smoke and mirrors. Like, it, it is not the way that if they truly had a package that's trying to get the best out of his, his talents, that is not what they would use. I mean, I definitely so, agree with that. I don't – I think it's lulling deep, uh, defensive staffs to sleep – Say that oh if they if he comes in in short yardage, you're just going to get quarterback power and stuff like that gap scheme. That's all they're using him for. Whenever I don't think that I if if they absolutely in a big game need something that they're going to run quarterback power with him. I just don't believe that that's the case. It's going to be something on the perimeter, using his speed and athleticism, not up the middle. He's not a big guy. That's that's not what you would design. So. I don't think it's real. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I definitely agree that they're not utilizing his best strengths as a runner, and I got to think at some point they mix it up a little bit. Uh, another true freshman I'm interested in seeing on Saturday, I mean, obviously Peyton Bowen, but PJ had a really good game on Saturday, and it, he just seems like a guy that now that he's back and now that he's healthy, week by week by week by week, he's just going to get better and better and better and better. I'm interested to see after last week if his if his role increases at all. I would, wouldn't think that he 
starts or logs 30 snaps or anything like that. I do think that we get to a point where we're seeing him more and more, but is the start of conference play the beginning of that? I'll be interested to see if 34 gets more reps. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't think he'll get any less reps. Uh, I think some some strength and some athleticism uh, out there on the perimeter is going to be good because of we will get zone read stuff. And, like, the one thing that I've got a little caution on is this is a – this is a responsibility football week for the defensive players. And what I mean by that is rush lanes are going to be critical. Like, we haven't played anyone really yet that if you, if you make a mistake in your rush lanes and you let the quarterback break contain, that they can score on you on that play. Like, th- that's how crucial this is. And the option stuff, whether it's zone read, who's got the quarterback, who's got the running back, and that changes depending on what the call is defensively. It changes depending on what the motion just was, what the formation is. There's a bunch of variables in that that are always changing. Option stuff, like who's got the pitch man, who's got the quarterback. Like, There's a bunch of responsibilities. That would be the only reason – I would say that maybe he doesn't play as much yeah. is because he's he struggled a little bit in that department, but he's a sharp kid. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's been able to pick all those up this week. Suter Gundy says they need to scrap that quarterback power. Uh, they, I think it worked one time against Arkansas State for a touchdown, and he keeps trying it. Sarks Vodka says, sounds like everyone is a little scared on our side. Glad none of y'all are suiting up. Sooners by 21. Do we sound a, a little scared on, on our side? I, what I have my I my midweek score yesterday. I had thirty eight twenty. OU winning the football game. I I don't know who's scared. Um, you know the power thing. Just like I said, I don't I don't believe it's I don't believe it's a real package. I don't. We're not a power team. We don't run the power. I. He's not a power downhill runner. I think it's smoke and mirrors. I think it's just, I think it's just something they're doing to, like, maybe to get opposing defenses. Like, okay, we don't have to worry about much to run a quarterback power with him when they come in in short yardage. No big deal. And I just don't think that's the case. If they're I, not- I, I, so, I, we can. Text in and say scrap it and all of that stuff. Which, if if it's a legit like that's they're running that because they believe it's a good package for him, then I'm with the texter. Scrap it. Uh, but again, I don't think that's what. If it they're is. not a power offense, then what kind of offense are they? Like I, I said last segment, I think that they're best at throwing the deep ball right now. So what kind of offense are they if not power? How would you how would you characterize it? Yeah. Um, Fast up tempo, downfield offense. Well, I think they're a matchup offense. Really, that's that's how I would, I would. I mean, whenever the numbers dictate they're going to run, when the numbers dictate they're going to pass, when they like a matchup on a given receiver, they're going to try and exploit it. I I, I don't know. I mean, we we don't have a. There's not like a a staple run 
that we try to like really be the best at. Like whenever you play Baylor's an outside zone team. They're going to run it. They're going to run it 100 times. It's what they're good at. They emphasize it. They block it. They, I mean, it's something that they hang their hat on. I don't know that there's anything necessarily that we hang our hat on other than finding matchups and exploiting it. That's, and that's, I don't yeah. know how people feel about that. I mean, that, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't, I'm not necessarily sure, but that's, that's the best way I can explain what we are offensively. Ellis and Broken Arrow says two statement games prior to the OU-Texas game. OU 59, Cincinnati 20, OU 63, Iowa State 3. Now I, I definitely well, think I, I definitely think the OU <laughs> Iowa State game could get ugly, especially if they lose in Stillwater. But it's just funny, like Iowa State is not not a good football team. They haven't gotten off to a great start. What are they one and two up to this point? But I look at scoring yeah. defense, and there they are once again in the top twenty. Go figure. We ain't. I'll just tell you right now, we ain't scoring sixty three on Iowa State. All right, that ain't happening. Now. I think the number that you selected for them to score on us in three, three is accurate. probably yeah. right. Uh, hell, but they might take that right now if offered. Three points? I'd yes, like please. to see the last time someone scored 63 on Iowa State. It's been a long time. And, uh, like, if that game is totally out of reach if you get to 14. All right? If it's 14, if you put 14 up on Iowa State, put the backups in, the game's over. Uh, Iowa State's got the number nine total defense right now in the country. Number nine total defense. Yeah, and I bet they are number 130 in offense. Uh, it didn't scroll down that far. Yeah, it didn't, <laughs> didn't list that many teams. SMU, by the way, the, SMU the number 13 overall defense. They could yeah. uh, they could prove something. They go out to Fort Worth and beat TCU. I, I think that's a definite possibility. They could beat TCU this weekend. I, I think they've got a chance to play them. I, I, it's still hard to kind of get a pulse on TCU, isn't it? I mean, they just haven't they looked lost impressive that up to this point, man. Yeah. I mean, really at any point. Yeah. You know, they lost the opener to Colorado, and you know, is Colorado better than we thought coming in? Yes, they are. How much so? I'm still not necessarily sure how much better they are, but – you know, that loss, I guess, at least for TCU, continues to look better and better. That's one way to spin it. Um, this is it, – it, it's funny. It's, it's comedy. I, I think it's a little bit too soon, though, from the 405. If you really want to run the quarterback power, unhitch Davis Bevel. This is a setup for Texas. <laughs> well, they already did that. No, he almost got killed. That's why he's still in a, oh, a brace and crutches. So – yeah, I don't know. It's it's curious, man. I'm I kind of shocked that they've done that and haven't built off of that package at all yet. They really haven't had a necessity to, so that's probably the main reason. But yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know what they're going to do. I would not think that that's going to be the what they continue with moving forward, though. If they do continue it moving forward and it continues not to work, um, it'll be head-scratching. If they scrap it for the next two weeks and then don't do anything against Texas, that would also be uh, very weird as well. I, I, I yeah. just it, it just feels like, it feels like whatever it truly looks like, we're going to see it in the Cotton Bowl at least one time. 
Yes. And if not, I think we're going to be all be disappointed. We wasted our time for nothing? Seriously? Yeah. 100%. I don't know. I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see what they do with it. Oh, this is an even better joke from the 918. 63 is how many Iowa State fans Matt Campbell is going to have to fight if they lose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen that video from this past weekend, I'm guessing all you have to do is Twitter search or Google search Matt Campbell fan fight, but go do yourself a favor. It's fantastic. What is, what's the line on that game with Oklahoma State? Three and a half uh, uh, on the side of Iowa State. Yeah. I, I just – I could be wrong other than – I mean, I guess you could always score on defense with a pick six or on special teams, but I don't see any way in hell Oklahoma State's offense scores a single point on <laughs> Iowa State's defense. Right? Am I, unless I'm missing Tough something. Tough to cover the three and a half when you get shut out. That's sound uh, betting advice there. I, I don't hate it. By the way, correction yeah. on uh, my part here. I, I, I said uh, at the beginning of the segment, OU minus 14 and a half. That is not the case anymore. Uh, it's now Uh-oh. OU minus 13 and a half. And let's see, 63% of the money is on Cincinnati, 61% of the bets on Cincinnati. So the wow. public is currently slightly favoring Cincinnati in the points. How do you feel about that? Uh, what do they know that me, we don't? No, I mean, the, the public? Nothing. It makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> now, if the, uh, the Sharps come in and this thing gets bet down to eight right before kickoff, I'll have something to worry about. But this kind of actually makes me feel better about things. Okay. Mm. Good. Good. I like that. Well, hmm. We'll see what happens with it. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it's going to be definitely a tough, tough game. But I think our defense will play uh, good enough to keep us in it, no matter how long it takes the offense to get going. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at the 405 Burger Bar. Remember, they've got Thursday night football specials every Thursday night. Half off domestic drafts, dollar sliders. And they've got specials during OU football games as well. Stay tuned. We'll be back. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. You're simply the best. The Showplace Theater is the best place for live music. And with some of the best acts around. Like Carly Pierce, October 14th. Rodney Carrington, October 27th. Flatland Cavalry, November 10th. And Justin Moore. By the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad Council. It is the rush of the ref, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. I'll, I'll tell you something that I haven't noticed at all in any OU games throughout the first three games so far, and two of them have been complete blowouts. But even like this new rule goes into effect the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter. I have not noticed the running clock after first downs outside two minutes in the second and the fourth quarter. Am I, am I the only one? It's not like I haven't been paying attention. It's just uh, maybe it just hasn't been a big deal for OU games up to this point. Hasn't, hasn't really been a factor at all for me watching games. I don't know. Maybe we just lost Teddy. Hopefully we can get him back soon. Text line, have you noticed the new clock rules? 405 651 3439, let us know on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Maybe it's a close game this weekend, and I'll notice a little bit more. But uh, up to this point, just 
Read a story today talking about um, how, I think it's six minutes on average, college football games are shorter than what they were a year ago, but I think we have you back now. Have you noticed the new clock rule changes in the the sports? No, I haven't noticed it at all. Uh, Matter of fact, I'll tell you, the thing I did notice was during the Tulsa game, they ditched the new clock rules at the end of that game and just kept it rolling <laughs> they didn't they didn't uh stop it at all it's like, so. it like OUANM and 03 they were just like just just running clock please come on it's just go. gonna run and clock get this thing uh done with and out of here i i really haven't now we also haven't been in a close game where it could factor in at that point right so I don't know. Have, what about you? Have you noticed it? Do you think it's been well while you're uh, away from the beginning of the segment? That's how I brought it in, saying that I haven't noticed at all. That's that's why I yeah. brought it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Chris and Lindsay says uh, says haven't noticed it at all. In fact, I forgot about it. Cole and <laughs> KC says I haven't either, but that's all because all that made up time is the five billion commercials during the game. Yeah, it sure feels that way, whether that's accurate or not. It does. It does. I agree. Kevin Um, from the 469, I noticed the new clock rule has not shortened any games, LOL. Kevin, that that, that brings me up to the very first quarter of the season. That first quarter against Arkansas State felt like the longest quarter of college football that I've watched in about a decade. So, yes, the new rules did not not help that. And somehow that game got back on track and still was only three and a half hours long. But as we were rolling on, I was like, we're, we're going to be here for five hours. This is going to be the longest football game in history. But uh, somehow things got back on track. But, yeah, I haven't noticed it yet. I I, I can imagine there's going to be a point in time where uh, we've all forgotten about it. And then all of a sudden, here's the, here's the final couple minutes of a game. And we're all going to be sweating, complaining about the clock. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's going on? Yeah, uh, but I, I'm uh, I'm excited for some Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson this week. Is that the best yeah. play-by-play team on TV these days? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes to that. I think so. Fowler and Herb Street. Um, they they've been around a while, obviously. Um, yeah, they're they're fine. I mean, they're good. They're not bad, but there's just like a difference. Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson is. If nothing else, the most uh, unique broadcast for a college football game that you're going to hear on a Saturday. But Gus brings the energy. Joe Clatt is really, really good at what he does. I I think, though I hate 11 a.m. games, I think they're the best play-by-play team out there on TV. Well, they definitely – Joel Clatt, no matter what you have to say about the guy, he – is not one of the guys that doesn't do his homework. He absolutely does his homework on the teams that he's calling each and every week, which you can't say that about everyone. No, it's more of a rarity. Uh, unfortunately. Actually, I was about right. to say it's more of a rarity than people realize, but I think people realize how much of a rarity that actually is these days by watching yeah. games. He does his homework. He knows he knows what's happening. He He's watched a lot of these teams in depth. Um you know, and I, I think that's a good thing about his his podcast, which I don't listen to, but I see enough clips from it to kind of gather that he uses that podcast as his study 
for the the teams that he's he's watching that are coming up, which is I think a good way to do things. So they're good, man. You know, for the most part, I think usually the bigger a broadcast becomes, like the more popular that crew gets, the less likable they become because there's more on the line. So the less opinion you're going to get, if that makes sense. Like, that's why you, I don't think you get a whole lot of, of air quotes, color from Herb Street because I, I don't know how much money the guy makes. It's got to be an incredible amount. And it's better to just kind of play it right down the middle on absolutely everything and not take a side on, on anything controversial because you don't want to mess up the apple cart, man. Yeah. Got a great gig. Yeah. Um, Sugar Shane in Newcastle says oven potatoes. Sorry, wrong person, LOL. Sounds like Sugar Shane's having oven potatoes tonight. But before he said that, he says, I can hear it now. Touchdown, Mr. Anderson. That's what he said for Rodney. If Nick scores on Saturday, I wonder if we get a Mr. Anderson. Or if he creates a new nickname like he did with Hollywood Brown back in 2017. That's the thing with Gus. You never know what you're going to get. That's true. And I love telling the story of 2017, the game in Manhattan, OU and Kansas State at halftime um, in the press box. Gus came down with the regular old media folk and asked which flavor of brownies uh, was being served. Someone said, oh, coconut, to which he said, cocaine. Did you say cocaine? <laughs> so, no, coconut, coconut is whatever, is brownies or something. Coconut is a flavor here. I, don't, I guess got excited about cocaine or something like that. But, no, nah, he's, he's, he's good, man. I, I love that. I well, love that crew. Now, I'm not saying anything, but he does bring the energy on the broadcast. So, you know, just saying. No, could happen. Could be a correlation there. I uh, uh, I I wouldn't judge. He's just going to need to do another bump at halftime to get through the second half. Unlike last year at <laughs> OU in Nebraska, that could have been the problem. Yeah, could have may, been the so. problem. Maybe so. I'll tell you. What do you think the the um, the travel is going to look like for Sooner fans? Are we going to have a decent contingent Man, up there since I, we, we haven't? We've gotten a lot of texts this week saying, hey, where are, you, where are you guys at? Where are you guys at before the game? Where are you guys at after the game? Which, by the way, we're at uh, uh, Martino's on Vine. Um, it's only, what, a 38,000-seat stadium? I would guess that OU sold out its ticket allotment. I There's probably going to be 2,000, 2,500 OU fans there would be my guess. Yeah, there, there's a lot of OU Probably. fans that live up in the Midwest, and since you don't play in Ames, like uh, you don't play at Morgantown, there's a lot of OU fans where this is going to be their best opportunity to see a game. So those fans will right. be up there. Like it'll be a good number for sure. I think so. I, I guess I don't know. Um, I've only been to Cincinnati to to play football, like fly into Cincinnati and fly out. I don't know a whole lot about the area, so. Supposed to be pretty I mean, cool. You're not, yeah. You're not that far from Louisville. You're not that far from from Indy. Um, I mean, there's some Lexington. There's some decent sized cities that are drivable, and I'm sure Sooner fans in any of those areas are probably going to be making a drive, right? So you're probably right. There could be a, a decent little contingent there of Sooner fans. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We will be back here at the 405 Burger Bar to wrap up our number one next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. 
GMC continues its commitment to professional-grade engineering in the GMC Truck Series, like offering the world's first available six-function multi-pro tailgate on Sierra. This tailgate takes innovation to the next level with six distinct functions that let you load, unload, and access the cargo box quicker and easier. The list goes on, but it's more than just innovative engineering. It's knowing GMC is committed to professional-grade excellence on every level. See your Oklahoma GMC. The world is full of anchors, meant to keep you in place. But the good news is that it's also full of things that remind you not to let them. So every time you raise a Pacifico, let it be a reminder to live life anchors up. Mayfield winds up down the field. Hollywood! Touchdown! Sooners! 77 yards! Who is this kid? Where'd he come from? And it was that day that Gus Johnson coined the nickname that we still call Marquis Brown. Hollywood! Gus Johnson, Joe Klatt. Big noon kickoff Saturday. It's OU in Cincinnati. Cavens Group is bringing you the sour of the rush. If you have an emergency 24 hours a day, give Cavens a call. They specialize in fire, water, mold, remediation, and crime scene cleanup. Cavens Group, 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048 or cavensgroup.com. This is, without a doubt, the best slate of college football games that we've had up to this point. Ohio State and Notre Dame, probably the game of the weekend, but I think that there is a fascinating game in the ACC, and determining, or depending on what happens in that game, it could really determine what's going to happen here in the near future. Is Florida State back if they went on the road at Clemson? And is this Clemson yeah. run officially over if they suffer their second loss of the month of September? It's a huge game for well, both teams. It is. Um... I don't know. I, I think I think Florida State is definitely the better team. I think they've got more talent. They're they're way better at quarterback. They've got momentum, which I think matters. Clemson is is you know trying to to keep things rolling. You know, they're they're two and one. They took that opening L from Duke and did so pretty handily. And they really haven't been tested since, Charleston Southern and, and FAU. And now you're going to get to see a top-five team in Florida State. I think Florida State wins it, but I, I do think that Clemson has a chance to play much better than what they really are because of the size of the game and the fact that they're at home. I, I do think that that's a factor. But I'm, pl- I'm picking Florida State to win the game. I'm uh, picking Florida I'm picking Florida State to win the game, but I'm with you. I definitely think that they're the better football team heading into this. Can they overcome yeah. the road crowd and, and, and all that? Can, can Dabo outcoach Mike Norvell? I mean, maybe. There, there's some factors there, but who has the better football team? I, I think it's Florida State, and maybe there's more of a margin on that than, than some realize. But give me Florida yeah. State to win by, like, a touchdown. Hey, which, you know, I think is interesting, and maybe we can hit this on, in the next hour. I think there's a bunch of teams that have a chance to win a championship this year. Well, we'll we got an audio clip that's going to say exactly that, so perfect segue. There you go. All right, hour number two of The Rush coming up next from the 405 Burger Bar.